Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, just a quick trigger warning here. We do mention suicide in this episode. Okay, enjoy the episode. Bye. Hey guys, today I'm here with Nancy. Nancy J. McKay is an author, speaker, and certified life coach living in Colorado with her husband, Jimmy, and their two rescued Westies, Maggie and Tommy. Her extensive coach training includes certification from Martha Beck Incorporated and the Institute for Psychology of Eating. She is also working on a certification from the Cole Institute or the, how do you pronounce that? E-Q-U-U-S. It's Equus, and I already, I have already gotten certified, actually. You did, yeah. And this is a couple of months ago that you filled this out. So now she has her certification. And Nancy, uh, Nancy's first two careers, 23 years in the energy energy industry and 14 years in the kitchen and bath design business gave her skills, experience, and a work ethic that has helped her build a successful coaching business. My gosh, how did you finish your um, certification in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a challenge, and, uh, but it all came together in the end just really quickly. I was able to work with about uh, nine practice clients in the span of two weeks. And it was, you know, because we were outside and just two of us with horses, it was just, um, it was magic. It was really just magical. Um, So it was, it really came together quickly at the end. And um, I'm just so excited about it. I feel like this has gotten in the way of so many things in people's lives, but you know, if you get creative, it's possible. I've been saying that the businesses that survive this will be the ones that got creative, that were not held back and didn't make excuses. They were just like, you know what? I'm going to change pace. I'm going to change how I do things and get it done. Yep. Exactly right. A lot of the restaurants near me, um, in the beginning, now they're allowed to be open, but in the beginning, they just shut down. But then there was a couple that were like, okay, now we've set up online ordering. You can come and get takeout. You can get this, you can get that. Cause it was always allowed. I live in Connecticut. It was always allowed here to do takeout. Like mm-hmm. they never had to like completely shut down. And those are going to be the restaurants that, you know, survive. This is the ones Absolutely. that flip the switch real quick. And we're just like, all right, just give me a couple days. We'll get this going. It was, you know, Real good. But anyways, that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about a (laughs) pandemic Um, because I'm sure people are sick of hearing about it. They're just like, oh my gosh, we all know there's a pandemic. Can we talk about something else, please? Right. Um, So you, when you applied, said that you um, had a rough, had it rough going or growing up. You grew up in an alcoholic household. Can you tell us what that was like? Well, it, you know, it wasn't as horrible as many people experience. Uh, you know, my parents were very high functioning. My father was an alcoholic. My mom, I think, drank heavily just to kind of tolerate my dad when he was drinking. And so 
Um, it seemed like she could set it aside. He couldn't set mm -hmm. it aside. And so, um, you know, I grew up walking on eggshells. And, you know, you just did everything you could not to upset the apple cart and, uh, you know, go along to get along. And I learned at a very young age how to be a people pleaser. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And, you know, it's not like it, you know, I certainly wasn't abused by any stretch, but it was uh, my, you know, my parents just weren't emotionally present mm -hmm. all the time. And, um, you know, not very supportive in extracurricular activities. You know, they never um, came to sporting events that that I was in and and the one time they did it threw me so much that I forgot <laughs> I was in gymnastics and I completely forgot my routine so it was uh it was a shit show <laughs> yeah I can imagine <laughs> I um my mom drank a lot and probably I, I think she doesn't drink as I don't talk to her anymore but she drank a lot growing up um my mm -hmm. dad was an alcoholic but got sober when um I was little and then he started drinking again when I was a young adult. So there's definitely alcoholism in my family as well. So I, I definitely know that can be, can be a issue. So in your, in your application, you also said that you have been sober. Does that mean that you developed um, alcoholism as well? I did. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Now, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people don't know somebody who's gotten sober because I feel like alcohol is so accepted as a drug. And let's be honest, it is a drug. People try to say it's, oh, not, it's just a legal drug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so widely accepted that people don't even realize when they have a problem. Right. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's very dangerous. And, and because it's so culturally accepted, then people just, you know, you don't, you don't realize you have a problem really many times until it's almost too late until it's really difficult to stop. And then, and then it's like, oh man, you know, now what am I going to do sort of thing? But, um, because everybody drinks, everybody thinks it's absolutely normal to drink, everybody thinks it's normal to overdrink, and you know, it's it's a huge problem. And the alcohol industry is is marketing now like the tobacco industry marketed in the 40s and 50s, and um, you know they're they're promoting the health benefits and. And, you know, you can't have fun without, you know, a, a cocktail in your hand and you certainly can't celebrate with a glass, without a glass of champagne and all this stuff. So it makes you feel less than if you're not, if you're not drinking. And so it's really easy to fall into the trap of drinking and over drinking and then it, that, because it's a drug, because it's an addictive substance substance then it becomes an issue quicker than we think it does and so for me um you know I was I started drinking in high school mm -hmm. and then I I got married young at at 19 
uh, my husband wasn't a big drinker. And so we just, we didn't drink much. And so, you know, that was no problem. And then we got divorced a couple of years later and I started partying a little bit, but it wasn't until I was probably, you know, in my late thirties, early forties that my drinking ramped up um, a bit more. And then my father who, who had gotten sober, uh, my mom died in 1995 and my dad got sober just a few months before my mom died. And he was able to stay sober for a few years and then he relapsed and then he got sober and we did the, the, the drunk recovery (laughs) two step for several years, you know, and, and then he ended up killing himself in 2007. Oh, wow. I'm sorry and, for your loss. Yeah, it was it was really hard, and I felt really guilty about mm-hmm. that. And so that's what kicked my drinking into really high gear. And uh, so I was, you know, I started really drinking alcoholically at that point. And, you know, it took me a couple years, and then I put a gun to my head. And that's what... <laughs> you know, fortunately, when the gun went off, it wasn't pointed at my head. And I quit drinking. That was it. That was the last time I had a drink. And that was in 2009. Yeah, it can. uh, I too have had my my bouts with suicidal ideation, and Mm -hmm. then there too. So, you know, um, it can be really difficult. And especially when when people are depressed, even though alcohol is a depressant, they tend to drink more, which just makes things worse. Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, we've developed these unhealthy coping mechanisms. Exactly. Uh, drinking, one of the things for me is uh, binge eating. Like I overeat yep. when I'm stressed. And so there's, there's all these things going on. And I have uh, alcoholism in my family. My um, grandfather's a recovering alcoholic. And he has been sober for, holy moly, like 30 years, mm-hmm. very long time. Uh, and he says, you know, I'll always be an alcoholic. He's like, I can't just tomorrow start drinking because I just roll right back into it. He's like, right. I'll always be an alcoholic. I'll always be in recovery. Uh, but he said it was the best decision I ever made in my oh, life, absolutely. you know, because he had, he had similar struggles you know, his whole family was falling apart because when he was drinking, he was not a nice person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he was also dealing with depression and suicidal ideation and all of the things. So, you know, it can, it can definitely be difficult. And then on top of that, you, you have lost your dad, you were dealing with depression, you were dealing with addiction, you get sober and then you get ovarian cancer. <laughs> what the Jack, heck? Jackpot. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, it was the luck of the draw. And, um, you know, if I hadn't been sober, uh, well, I don't think I would have lived long enough to get ovarian cancer if I had kept drinking. But, um, but I never it never crossed my mind to pick up a drink when I was face facing cancer. And, you know, the, the tools I learned in recovery helped me get through it. And, 
you know, now, um, being a cancer survivor, that has helped me create this new life. And mm -hmm. it just changed my perspective on things. And, you know, I, I said, I, you know, I didn't get sober and survive cancer to be miserable. And so I completely changed my career at the age of 60. And so, you know, it's, it was really a blessing for me to be diagnosed with cancer. It, it sounds odd, um, but it was really, um, I really consider it to be a gift. Yeah, it helps you prioritize what yeah. you want in your life. My grandmother right. uh, is a breast cancer survivor and she got it when she was older as well. So what she wasn't, you know, she, I think she was in her fifties or sixties when she got mm -hmm. breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And she said it really made her look at life differently. Oh yeah. 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 And, you know, if it doesn't uh, change your perspective in some way, then you're not paying attention. I don't think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you can either go through it fearfully and, um, you know, try to bury your head in the sand and be full of denial, or you can take a look at it and, um, you know, really look at what your priorities are and make changes in your life so that you're living life the way you want to live it. So what do you, what would you say helped you get through that, all of that, but, um, especially the cancer, because some people, like you said, they just kind of give up. They just kind of like, you know what? I'm, I'm a victim of my, my circumstances. Uh, my, my grandmother said she had women going through chemo with her that were just in such a negative place. And, you know, and she said she believes that her positive attitude and outlook really what got her through, especially at that age. I would agree. I would agree. And I think, you know, even though I have been uh, diagnosed with clinical depression, I've always had a positive outlook. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's why I named my company Amazing Outlook Coaching is because that's what mm -hmm. I've always had. Even, you know, uh, even through these dark periods that I've gone through, there's always been an undercurrent of, you know, if you can get through this yeah. and you can come out better on the other side of this. And, you know, that's not to say that there weren't a lot of tears and a lot of panicky and so on and so forth during the processes, but there was, there was, I've always had a belief in myself that I was going to always land on my feet. And I, I believe that if you don't have that um, intrinsically, that you can learn it. And it's just a matter of changing your mindset, which is very possible once you understand how your thoughts can negatively impact your life, mm -hmm. then you can, then you can learn how to change them so that they are positively impacting your life. And it's just, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's something that, that anyone can 
harness, if they're willing to look at what's what's behind everything, you know, and so you have to be willing to look at yourself, you know, look in your, look in the mirror and say, okay, <laughs> you know, this, this issue is, I'm making it worse and only I can change it, you know, and, and you have, you know, there's a lot of faith in there too. You know, I always had the faith that things were going to work out. And it's not necessarily a faith, you know, it's probably a faith in myself, but also a faith in the, in the universe and the divine and, you know, not, not in the organized religious aspect, which right. I don't agree with, but, Me either. <laughs> but, but just the, the energetic realm of the universe mm. and that, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to come off as sounding woo woo, but there's a woo woo element to um, not taking yourself so seriously, getting out of your own way <laughs> and understanding that many of the problems that we're facing are of our own creation. And so if we can uh, honestly look at ourselves, then we can change. I'm glad you said many and not all, because I'm definitely against the rhetoric that like everything that happens in your life is your fault. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't call someone. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> but yeah, there no. are, definitely there are things that happen in your life that you created, whether you want to admit it or not, by your actions, your beliefs, your thoughts, the things that you have going on. So I, I'm glad you said many and not all, because I'm completely oh, on board. Oh yeah, that. no, no. There's so so one of the things that I like to talk about are are you know are we all react to circumstances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, circumstances are neutral and, you know, there, there's a saying, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Mm -hmm. And so there's many circumstances that, you know, a cancer diagnosis, um, your house burning down, you know, the, the forest fires in Colorado and mm -hmm. California and, you know, those are, those are horrible things that are happening to people, right? But it's, it's how we think about the circumstance that causes our suffering, not the circumstance itself. And so if, you know, if we're faced with a cancer diagnosis and, and we think, why me? You know, poor me. I'm dying, you know, um, if we, if we bring in the negative thoughts, then it's going to make the circumstance so much worse. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, for instance, when I, when I got diagnosed with cancer, I never thought, why me? I thought, well, you know, why not me? I mean, you know, it's like, what, what makes me special that this wouldn't happen to me? <laughs> right. You know, like I've got five friends from high school that, you know, we, we've known each other for over 40 years 
And, you know, so there's six of us. And I was the first one to be diagnosed with cancer. And it's like, you know, the odds of six of us, you know, we went on vacation one year and it was like, there's six of us and none of us have been diagnosed with cancer. What are the odds? You know, that's a very, that's odd, <laughs> right? And then I was the first one and now 50% of us have been diagnosed with cancer. So, you know, it's like, it's gonna, you know, things happen. It's how you deal with it that makes a difference. If you're gonna get through it with a positive outlook, with thinking that it's a blessing, or you can think it's a curse and then be miserable. Yeah, it's up I've, to you. It's up I've, to you. I've always said, considering all the trauma and things that I've been through in my life, that I could have easily ended up being like, and I'm not saying this lightly, I could have easily ended up being a drug addict, homeless on the street, absolutely anything like that. Because, like, when you've gone through trauma, sometimes you look to things to try to numb out all the things oh, you've been through. Right. And right. so I, I contribute the fact that I'm still like, I never went down that path because trust me, people around me did. I had access. <laughs> right. It wasn't like I never came in contact with this stuff. It is because I always had this, this belief that there was a little more out there for me. Maybe in that moment in time there wasn't, and there was definitely times, mind you, that I was like my, like, I don't even know what's going on here. This is just too much to take. Um, but there was definitely, I always had this belief that there was something more out there for me. Like that there had to have been more. Uh, right. The only times I didn't were when I was in, I had suicidal ideation, but that's a different, you know, like that's not even like, you're like, woe is me. It's like depression is eating your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the way I look at it. I figure that there must be a reason why I have survived this long. Right. You know, that, that I am supposed to do something. There's a reason why I haven't, that the, the gun didn't go off when it was pointed at my head, that I didn't, you know, that I, that I was able to be diagnosed early with ovarian cancer rather than late because ovarian cancer is really difficult to to diagnose because there's no test for it so unless you are experiencing symptoms you know most women don't get diagnosed until they're they're it's so far along that it's terminal and yeah. so that's why it's such a deadly disease and so you know i feel like i was you know, I got the symptoms early and was able to be diagnosed early and for a reason. And this is that reason so that I can help people. So yeah. I can help women and work with women. And it's just, it's so important to be, to take the information, you know, take your, your, experience like you are mm -hmm. and and putting it out to the world and and sharing what you've gone through so that you can inspire other women to do what you're doing and and to 
to be authentic. And that's, you know, that's what I hope that I'm doing. And, and by being a guest on your podcast and other podcasts, hopefully I'm being able to reach more people and say, you know, <laughs> it's, you can make a difference. You can change. You can stop drinking if you want. You can get through a cancer diagnosis. You can, you can become a badass at the age of 60, just like I did. If you want to, you know, you can do anything that you put your mind to. I really right. believe that. And I, I would go as far to say is that doesn't mean people who have died from cancer or, or died from other things that they weren't strong enough or that they oh, didn't no. have a purpose. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Just no, in case not, anybody's misunderstanding what we're saying. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that people don't die of, of any and everything. Yeah. It's, it's your emotional trip between point A and point B that I'm talking about. I'm right. not saying that you can... Uh, you know, cure your cancer because you're <laughs> thinking about, thoughts. you know, yeah. with positive thoughts that you're going to go <laughs> skipping through the, the tulips, right? What I am saying is that, you know, <laughs> your journey doesn't have to be one of doom and gloom unless right. you, that's what you choose. Right. That's, that's all I'm saying. I mean, the end might be that, you know, we're all going to die, yeah. you know, and you know, that, <laughs> there's, there's no way out of that, right? But it's, you know, there, there's a line in this wonderful movie called The Shawshank Redemption, and it's, you can get busy living or you can get busy dying. Yeah. You know, we're all going to end up there the same way. It's just a matter of how you want to live your life in the, you know, from the time you're born to the time you die. Yeah, yeah. No Exactly. I think of like that with like, uh, terminal patients is those that just lay in bed and they don't want to see anybody and they don't want to do anything. They're just waiting to die. Or the ones that are like, please come, come see me. Let me do the things I can do. I'm limited, but let me, I had an aunt, um, who had terminal cancer and man, the last day I saw her, she had a living room full of people because she yeah. just wanted to enjoy every minute she could. Yeah. With those around her. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter was just a baby. So she got to meet her for the very first time and, and very last time, unfortunately, but she just, she couldn't do much. She just sat in a chair the whole time, but she just soaked up all that time with everybody. Right. Right. And got all that love. Yes. I mean, isn't that a beautiful way to go? You know, yeah. to know that there's, you've impacted that many people and gave them your love and they're giving you your that their love back oh my god that is such a blessing such a blessing yeah and i think that's the the difference of, that we're talking about is you could just Absolutely. you could have that experience with all those people in your living room and all that love or you can decide to push everybody away and be yep. like you know i'm just waiting to die poor me uh, yeah poor me and she just chose to because she knew she didn't have long and she wouldn't have long where she could have that many people around her, um, right. especially kids, because, you know, after a while, it can be kind of scary for children. Right. Um, but she wanted that moment with all of her family, all the kids, all the babies, all the, and just a living yeah. room full of people. It was beautiful. 
Yeah. It was beautiful. And you know, that was, that's a memory all of us have, but that's also something that, you know, got to take her through, you know, got to, to, to hold her until she left is that she had that moment. Absolutely. No regret, no regrets. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So what are some things you, you've been through some stuff. What are some, uh, what, what are some tips that you would give people that might be going through, we're all going through some stuff right now. Let's oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well <laughs> yeah. You know, again, it's, you know, pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. That's the first thing I'd say. So, you know, if you're going through something that's difficult, um, look at the thoughts that you're thinking about that challenge, you know, that circumstance. And, um, and if it's a negative thought, just up level that thought to something, you know, it's, it's hard to, to go from, you know, this is the worst thing to ever happen to me. And, oh my God, I'm terrified to, I'm great. (laughs) You know, you can't, that's a big leap, right? Right. But you can go from, I'm terrified to, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And then I'm scared to, maybe I can handle this. Yeah. And from maybe I can handle this to I bet I'm stronger than I think I am. Right. And, you know, so you take it little bits at a time to, to where then, you know, in a span of days, you've come up the emotional scale enough to where you can handle whatever it is that you're going through. And so your, you know, your thoughts create your feelings and then your feelings create your actions that you take and the actions that you take give you the results that you get. And so when you think a thought and it gives you an emotional feeling, that, that's what drives what actions we take. So if we think I'm terrified and, you know, or, you know, I'm going to die. Yeah. and I'm terrified is your feeling, then the action that you take frequently is, you know, it paralyzes you. You know, mm-hmm. you just, you can't function, right? And then, so you're sitting there, your result is you're sitting there in a pile of fear because you can't move, right? But if you can start to think that, you know, and you, you have to, get yourself out of your own way, mm-hmm. you know? So if you can think, I'll, I bet I'm stronger than I think I am, then that builds your, you know, your confidence and you feel empowered. And then that feeling makes you want to do something, you know? Okay, so who can I talk to about this? What, what steps can I take to make this go in a different direction, you know, and like I said, it's, it's not necessarily that the, the end result, you know, if you're facing a terminal diagnosis, it's not that you're not going to die. It's that you, that you're, 
going to think about it maybe a little differently. So maybe it's who can, who can I help with this? How can I make this easier for my family to deal with? Who, you know, something, right? And then the result is having a different outlook and not being, not, you know, just not being, um, in such a negative space and that that helps that helps you more than anything but it also helps the people around you so you know whenever we're afraid or mad or whatever everybody around us feels it right right <laughs> you know and so by being able to alter your thoughts it it trickles down and it it creates a different energy around you mm -hmm. you know so many people think well you know and especially like if you're drinking too much well the only person i'm hurting is myself right right i'm the one that's drinking the poison so it's only me but you don't understand what the ripple effect is on mm -hmm. the people around you you know um, if you're not showing up to work, it's affecting the, the company that you work for. Um, if you're yelling at your kids, if you're yelling at your spouse, if you're, you know, falling down and you're danger endangering yourself and others, if you're getting in the car and driving, right. you know, I mean, it's a, it's a huge issue. So it's not just you that it's affecting. It's everyone in your in your sphere and you know that's with anything you know if you feel really happy the people around you notice that too right you know it's like people want to be with happy people do you want to have a positive or negative impact in other people's lives exactly, exactly. <laughs> right my right. therapist uh when i was like spiraling out of control because of everything going on with covid and i'm like oh my god uh she was just like what can you do like what what can you do about this she's like you need to take control over this she can't you she's like you can't control covid you can't control what's going to happen there you, i mean she's like but you can take steps if you don't want to get it to avoid getting it right right you you can take steps she's like your mental health you said that you need to be around adults and and have adult interaction pick a couple of friends that you can trust be around them she's like you have these choices in your life you get to choose. She's like, right now you're allowing other people and circumstances to choose how you feel. You get to choose. Right. And I was like, you're right. I do. Um, and she's like, and, and you don't have to allow other people's choices to impact you. She's like, just right. don't be around those people. And I was like, you're right. I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and think of what you were saying. Right. And so how did that make you feel? That makes empowered right like i can take exactly. on my own life take control exactly of my life. exactly and now you you know you've gone from feeling like oh my god what am i going to do to i can handle this i i can do this i'm in control here right so you and how much how long did you talk to your therapist about that how many minutes 
Uh, I don't know. We have hour sessions and I would say like a good 15, 30 minutes of that hour session was, was part of that. I have, I meet with her every other week. Just so, so <laughs> what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, in 30 minutes or even an hour, you went from being totally, you know, under the bus of COVID, right? Yeah. To, to driving the bus. Right. Right that's a huge shift in a short period of time Absolutely. and that, and it's all because of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And that's what, you know, working with a coach or a therapist or somebody that's where it's so beneficial is because you can learn that, but you got to have somebody show you the ropes, you know, and teach you the, the tools. And that's where, you know, having a coach or a therapist comes into play is because, you know, it, it just, it cuts through the, the bullshit, if I may say, and, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and, you know, it speeds up the process. Yeah, you could read a book about it. There's no doubt, but that's going to take a while, right? Right sit down and talk to a, you know, talk to somebody that knows this about this stuff and yeah. work through it, speed it up and, you know, start changing your life. Right. Especially if you're like me and the experiences I've had have created uh, my fight, flight or freeze response is all messed up. <laughs> yeah. So like I either freeze or I flee Right. I'm not like, and so I have to be retrained of like, when is it appropriate to do those things? Because mine's all malfunctioning. And that's right. why having somebody there to go up, oh, no, no, we're not, we're not freezing right now. There's right. something you can do about this. You don't exactly. need to freeze at, or flee. You can actually right. fight this and do something about it. Take, take responsibility for your own life. Right. Right. You know, and, and, you know, when we flee, when we try to, to run away, it's because we don't, you know, we get busy trying to ignore what's going on back here, you know, so we, you know, we get busy cleaning the house or, you know, doing, doing stuff so we don't have to face what's going on, right? right. And, and that's a really common thing, you know, get busy so I don't have to deal with the crap back here mm -hmm. you know or you freeze so you don't you know you procrastinate right oh i'll get to that tomorrow because you don't want to face it yeah and so you know it's procrastination and getting busy are you know freezing and fleeing those are mm -hmm. you know so if you're a procrastinator it's because you're putting off something that you don't want to face. It's not that it's boring and I just don't want to do it. No, <laughs> it's because there's something in that project. There's something in that task that you don't want to face. And, you know, it's so, so dealing with all of this stuff is a matter of having the, the strength to face things head on and and not only do you do you take care of of what you need to face but it also 
builds so much confidence in the process because it's like, oh man, look at that. You know, even if it's just balancing your checkbook, right? Oh my mm -hmm. God, I don't have any money. I don't know how I'm going to get through the end of the month. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to know how bad it is, right? But you sit down and you do it and nine times out of 10, it's not quite as bad as you thought it was. Right. And even if it is, it's like, okay, well now I know. So now I know what I need to do, right? Exactly. And, and then that starts building confidence. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't die. Right. I found out I'm, a, I'm in debt and I'm still standing. Look at that, right? Look at that. So you build little bits of confidence all along the way. And pretty soon, you know, that's not a problem anymore. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I, as people that listen to the podcast know, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder last year. And when I was in hypomanic episodes, I would uh, spend lots and lots and lots and lots of money. We're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars. And I remember when I uh, had to have the talk for like the third or fourth time with my husband about, man, I spent all this money. Now we, I have all these credit cards that are ran up, blah, blah, blah. I had it catastrophize in my head. He's going to divorce me. He, he's going to hate me. He's all these things. And I texted him. <laughs> I texted him. He was at work and I texted him and I was like, we need to talk when you get home. <laughs> so he got home. We went upstairs to talk and I was just like, I don't want to tell you this, but I have these credit cards and they're all run up. This is the amount of money I have. And he looks at me and he goes, oh my God, I thought you were divorcing me. <laughs> I thought you were leaving me. I thought you found somebody else. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you texted me. We need to talk. And so I'm catastrophizing it. He's catastrophizing it. And then once it was out, we were able to figure out how we were going to manage it. But like, you did right. have that catastrophizing. Um, so there's just a personal example of yeah. things that you're yeah. talking about. Uh, but Nancy, we are running out of time. Uh, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? If we could either wrap up what we've talked about or tips or anything really, what would you like them to know? You know, I think, I think the biggest thing is that You know, everything is a choice, mm -hmm. and and it's it's also you know I don't know what the you know if you have some older women listening to you or not, but we have all know, kinds. <laughs> I, I changed, you know I changed started changing my career. I it's never so it's never too late. You know, your dreams, it's never too late to go after your dreams. And, you know, if you're, if you're worried about making changes in your life, don't. Because I really, truly believe that if you have a dream, if you are able to think about something that you want to do, that means it's possible. Mm -hmm. If it, if it wasn't possible for you to do it you wouldn't be able to even conceive it yeah so so i truly believe that if you if you've got something on your radar 
go for it. Go for it. It's never too late. And it's your choice. Well, th those are wonderful words to live by. I think a lot of people allow their age to be like, I'm too old. I can't start yep. over again. Nope. You can always start something new. Yep. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure, Megan. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.